structure of the talk, uh, I'll start off with about half an hour's worth of one-on-one uh, -on -one interview. We're going to talk about Tasha's life in general, um, and then transition a bit into Love Island and the villa, and then on to present-day stuff, um, and then you'll have a chance for your own questions after that. So, yeah, I, I guess I wanted to start, um, so you've talked about uh, your deafness as a superpower, mm -hmm. um, but you've also said that it was quite difficult in your upbringing and mm -hmm. teenage years. Um, so how did you develop like the confidence that you have today? And do you have any tips for? Confidence? Yeah, I think like growing up, um, I was born into a hearing family, so no one in my family was deaf or had yeah. any hearing impairment. So I was kind of born into a completely new environment. Even for my family, it was mm. like they had to deal with something they yeah. never dealt with before. Um, and confidence didn't come like straight away, you know. Mm. Especially when you're a teenager, you're still trying to figure out who you are as a person, what you want to do with your life, career. You know, us girls, what we have to deal with as well. All those kind of things come on top. So it's kind of like, it was a ma massive like mental health knockdown for me because I was always comparing myself in such a negative, negative way to people, um, especially being the only deaf student at my high school as well. Um, so I think in that time, it was kind of like trying to figure out who I am and what I want to do. Um, and then with confidence, it definitely came with dance industries. The dance industry is so diverse, a lot of rep representation. And that's kind of where I found my confidence, I think, because it's such a safe space where you can be who you want to be. It's, like, it's kind of like freedom, because you express who you are. Yeah. And that's kind of where it started, really. And that's where I started to kind of spread my wings and yeah. start to be a bit more confident each time. I think you said in one of your YouTube videos that, because um, you can't hear the lyrics so well, mm -hmm. you have to go a lot off a lot more off the vibrations and the feel of the music. Yeah. And that gives you like sort of unique advantage over other dancers. Yeah, so the way I feel the music is I feel it through like my body, the vibration, the bass and half the time which you don't even know what the lyrics are saying, I'm probably saying the lyrics so wrong. Even my friends are like Tash, I'm writing the lyrics. I'm like, so what I'm living my life and yeah, I think that's the way I feel it. It's just basically the vibration and the bass and the way I hear music so different. I love wearing my headphones. Yeah. So I can just really feel it, and that's why I love music so much because I hear it different to hearing people. So it's really interesting, really. Yeah. 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 And you trained at Creative Academy. Yes. Correct. How was that? Loved it. You know, Creative Academy was the place where I could make mistakes. It's a place where I grew. It's a place where the teachers were patient with me as well. You know, as a dancer, my cochlear implant kept falling out because mm. it's just hooked onto my ear. So I kind of like would storm out of class, like slam doors, but teachers understood why. That they wouldn't come after me and like shout at me, like, what are you doing? They would literally leave me to it and then be patient. Yeah. And we found a solution. So I wear like double-sided sticky tape on my copper implant. So I stick it to my ears and I'm dancing, it doesn't fall out. Um, so yeah, Creative Academy was just a place where I could really be myself and unapologetically myself. Where do you train now? Uh, I don't train anywhere, only base studio. So base oh, studio is kind of like a dance studio in London where you yeah. can just go train, like weekly classes, um, to, just to keep your dance training up. Yeah. Um, and in one of your videos, you said that your, during your A-levels, um, about year 12, uh, your cochlear implant 
problem and mm -hmm. she had a, basically you had an academic setback um, but you basically uh, caught up from that and yeah. showed a lot of toughness Could you, would you mind telling us about that period yeah so basically Cochrane Planet is kind of like a lifeline yeah. so mine lasts up to 15 years and basically I was 16 and I was just in the kitchen it just went off, like completely off, and I was like, oh, that's a bit weird. And sometimes you change like spare parts, and sometimes spare parts just needs a little bit altering, but it starts working. So it started working again, and it went off again. I was like, I went to my dad, I was like, something's not right. And basically, um, there's not many audiologists in the UK, so the one that's closest to me, my hometown, is like an hour drive. Got to the hospital, did checks, and changed it. It was all fine, started traveling back home, went off again, so I had to go back. and. They checked the inside, and basically the internal part had broke. Um, mid of my first year A-levels, exams were coming up, everything was literally coming up, and I was like, oh, no. And basically, there's no point wearing my cochlear implant till my operation. The operation was like a month later. After my operation, I couldn't wear it till my ear healed. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a massive knockdown for me at that point, because I couldn't go to college. I felt, I just felt awful inside. So I was like, I didn't want anyone to see me with greasy hair because I couldn't wash my hair for so many weeks. And it was just like, I was at home, like just coddled in my room. Um, and I think there's a point where I was like, actually now I need to stop, you know, battering myself down. So I was like, you know what? I still got the train. I went to college, tried to do as much as I could um, without hearing anything. And if anything, that taught me life experience that I can't just always rely on my cochlear implant because if it was to break again, I can still do what I need to do and not let it, you know, define me in a way. Um, so yeah, it was definitely tough at the time, but you know, my parents helped me through it and my friends did as well. Um, but yeah, you know, you get obstacles in life to overcome them. And what was it like um, being in the villa as a deaf person? Because I know some of the water challenges required you to put on a cover for the yes. implant. Yeah, so um, obviously I had to be fully prepared for yeah. everything that was to come my way. Um, so basically, with a cochlear implant, you can get a water cover, very, very um, unique and special. And I ordered a certain amount, and I was a bit worried because there's a lot of water challenges, and I kept saying to the producers, like, I don't think I've got that many left. I've got, like, two left. Um, but sometimes if it's just, like, a little spray of water, that's fine. Yeah. It's, it's sprinkle-proof, but not fully, like, drowned and waterproof. Um, and I think being in, in the villa, it was tough at times because I struggle with concentration fatigue. Yeah. So a lot of deaf people experience this. So basically, because I have to lip read, like even now I'm lip reading you, and and it's like you're overworking and you have to hear twice as much, and especially in noisy environments, like that's where I get so drained, especially after a hectic day, like even a shoot day. Yeah. If we're shooting for like nine hours, at the end of the day, I'm just absolutely gone, like take out my implant, go to bed, sleep, recharge. Even in the villa, I was literally having naps throughout the day for like two to three hours. Yeah. But obviously, the producers wouldn't show you that because you know, girls are getting ready. It takes me like half an hour to get ready, 10 minutes max. And literally, I'd be like on the balcony, just napping. Like I'll wake up and everyone's ready. I'm like, okay, let's go. Like yeah. I'm fully back again. Um, so I think in, in the villa, it was tough sometimes, like even conversations or someone's reading out a text or something. It's the yeah. other side of the villa, I was like, I was looking around to see how people would react. Yeah. Uh, if people were like, woo, yeah, yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, I'm just going to go <laughs> along with it. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's definitely some challenges, but I'm kind of glad those challenges came because yeah. it made me grow as a person in a way. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and then, could you tell us a bit about the sort of unseen side of, of season eight and film and being in Love 
said that um, you know after your and Andrew's argument, then you actually went into the back room and like had a laugh after, but that was like cut out. Yeah. So like, what to what extent does the sort of cutting process? I don't, it's, it's weird because when, when we're in the filler, we don't know what's being put out. Like, yeah, we have yeah. no clue. Um, and, but I get why that bit wasn't shown because it just would not have made sense. Like, yeah. we argued, then we kissed and made up, laughing in the dressing room. Then you told me what happened, then we argued again. It just would have been, so I get why it wasn't yeah. included. But yeah, after that argument, we literally, he walked off and I ran after him. And we both just looked at each other and just started laughing. We're like, what are we doing? Um, so I think that there are moments that aren't, you're not going to see everything because it's 24 hours out of, you see one hour and they have how many couples stories to fit in, storylines. Um, I think me and Andrew definitely did have a rocky journey, but they didn't show every single conversation we had. For example, movie night, people were like, yeah, them two are going to be like the most like, craziest, chaotic. We were like so chilled. We were like, we already like, knew this because we yeah. already spoke about and communicated about everything. So that's the thing with reality shows that you're not going to see every single thing in that. Yeah. Um, and then what would you say is the number one thing you've learned from being on the show? Like, do you have one takeaway? Or? Oh, I think um, so. there's so many things I learned. I think coming out of the show, it's kind of like, it made me stronger in a way. I think, yeah. you know, it's a very hard thing to do in there. You're kind of thrown in there. You don't have contact with the outside world. You can't. Mm. I'm a very emotional person, like I'm quite sensitive and I think probably a lot of you saw that and it's, it's like, it's hard when you're in there because you can't speak to anyone and it's like, only, only people you can speak to is the islanders in there and you kind of were forced to like, speak, not forced to speak to them, but you have to be open with them because otherwise you'd be bottling off, bottling off these emotions. Um, but I think coming out of there, I learned that, you know, always stay true to yourself because I feel like I did stay true to myself and I came out and I think I've got quite a bit of a filling edit to start with. And yeah. it's a shame because I think now I've come out, so many people have said, wow, like, how you are as a person is not how they showed you in the filler. And it's like, yeah. that's how it works, unfortunately. And I think coming away, I'm kind of like, actually, you know what? The last two weeks were the best weeks of my life. Like, me and Andrew, we'd kind of had that mentality of like, we don't care anymore. Like, but we're over it, we it to be me and him, I just remember those last few weeks were just amazing because we just didn't, didn't care anymore. We were just so over it, like, we were done with people's opinions. And yeah, I think, yeah, I think coming out, just learned that. Take every experience as it comes, yeah. definitely. And sort of maybe a more lighthearted question, but um, if, you, if there was one thing you could change about Andrew, what would it be? And would you put a ring on it? <laughs> <laughs> one thing I could change? Yeah. Oh my gosh, there's nothing I would change about him to be fair, like literally nothing, he's so kind and like everyone that he's met, my family and my friends, they all just love him and as a person he's just so genuine, like yeah. there's no way to explain it, like he really cares about other people and thinks about other people. Um, trying to think what I'd change. Oh, one thing I've probably changed is like, that when he brushes his teeth, he's toothpaste around his mouth and he's like saving it for later. <laughs> Does it all the time? And I'm stood there like, great. I don't want to lick your toothpaste off, do you know what I mean? So, but yeah, apart from that, like, there's nothing I'll definitely change. Would you put a ring on it? Would I put a ring on it? Yeah. But me, you propose to him? Yeah. No, you can propose to me, but I'll say yeah, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then going on to what you're doing nowadays, um, who came up with the idea for the Galentine's video with India? 
like we just told, we called up, basically saying like, oh, this is our idea. But the Galantines yeah. with India. Yeah. Oh yeah. So uh, obviously India works with Boots. Yeah. Um, and Boots do glossy talks of India. Yeah. I mean, India have a really great friendship. Anyway, we literally live so close to each other now. Like she's literally two doors away. Um, and yeah, they just kind of called and said we'd be up doing Galantines of India, and I was like, hundred percent, because I think we've got yeah. such a good relationship between us. And in the filler, they didn't really show our friendship much. That like, we probably had a really good friendship in there. Probably she was like one of my girls. Yeah. And when my times are going one for me in India, we always have chats like the day bed, like what are we doing? Like literally. But yeah, it's really nice to do that to be fair. It was good. Which of the islanders are you still in touch with? So obviously India, but like like are there some that you just completely lost contact with? Um well, this is the thing, I say this quite a lot. It's like I didn't know any of these people before I went into the villa yeah. and you you kind of are like you make friendships in there naturally and then coming out it's like you know, people live on the different other side of the country, and it's like it's hard. Um, but I, stay, I, try, I try to stay in touch with most if I can. But I think probably, you know, Paige. I still speak to her a lot, even though she lives in Wales. I, when she comes to London, I make sure to see her. And like India, and like Eki and Jerome, I see them at events. Like we have so many events that go on. That's probably the, the time I see them the most because that's where you know obviously events everyone's gonna go. So I think. It's hard because everyone's so busy and got their family and their friends as well. Like I still got my own friends and my own family that I still need to make time for. So yeah, it's definitely hard, but it's nice when you see each other. And you said that one, like sorry, different topic, but you said one of your favourite films is the, no, uh, the Notebook with Ryan Gosling. Um, do you have a top ten of films? Like, do you, like what are your favourite films? Like one of my favourite films. Yeah, what? Yeah, do you have like? Can you do a list? Blindside. You seen the Blind Side? No. Has anyone seen the Blind Side? Oh, I love it. It's like it's such an inspiring. But it's not actually Angie's favorite film yeah. as well. So we were in the film. He asked me, "What's your favorite film?" at Blind Side. He went, "No way." It's like the same. I was like, um, "Basically, Blind Side is amazing. You should watch it. It's very incredible, and inspiring. It's got Sandra Bullock in it. It's really good. You should watch it." What would like absolute favorite would be Blind Side? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, <laughs> random, but yeah, yeah. it is. <laughs> And then the last one for me before we do a, do a couple from the from the audience. Um, what what is the history of the name Guru? Because I said I think you mm. said it's quite like cultural, historical, but yeah. And yeah. um, so basically, my dad's side of family, mm. it all comes from comes from that. I came from. Um, and I'm basically like quarter Indian, so basically mm. my dad's like half. And the cultural behind it, it's a lot of cultural behind it. Um, I think. It was basically dowry back in the day, and obviously through our heritage, it translated to Guri. And I think that, like, back then, the Guri family was kind of like royalty, and like, my dad's uncle was like minister of like defense or something. And we've got our own missile somewhere, and like, I know it's crazy. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I'm like, I've still got a lot to learn. Um, and yeah, it's just kind of like, I'm quarter. Um, that's come from my dad's side pretty much, but I definitely want to get learn more into it because obviously I've got a whole family in India I don't know about. Um, but obviously my dad lost contact with them years ago, like even before I was born. So yeah. Thanks. I think we'll do some from the audience now. So if you've got a question, please put your hand up, and I'll choose you. Um, okay. So in the middle on the left here. Hundred percent. I think it, 
if anything, it helps more the friends and family. Um, I suffered a lot of ableism. I got quite a lot of trolls at the start. Um, not to the point where I was getting death threats, um, luckily, but quite a few of the islanders did. I think it's just more the family and friends not to see that because it's hard. Because even my best friends, Josh and Ty, they were doing my social media accounts and they were literally like, it was hard for us to deal with that because it was like, that's not Tasha, like people were saying it is. And I think it's more like an emotional thing. And I think, I'm glad that they did that this year, but obviously it's not going to stop trolls. It's not going to stop it completely, but it helps for the family and friends not to see that. Um, but yeah, I'm glad that they've done that and I hope they do continue that. So before the show, I actually did so many psych tests, so many, like, when I say so many Zoom calls, they really prepped you for that. They made, they made sure that you were mentally prepared to go in there. In there, you had welfare chats every single day, and you do have a psych opportunity if you want to see them every day as well, as many times as you want. And then coming out the show, they literally messaged me every single day, even to now to this day. <laughs> they still messaged me, just checking in, calling me, see if I'm okay. And they do provide aftercare as well if you want to see a therapist. Or, um, it's up to you if you want to take it or not. Yeah. Um, right back. Yeah, so with Coco, we actually got along really well. Like, we were having conversations in the film, being bags, like, we were having girly chats. Like, we actually got along. Even coming out of the villa, like, we both said the same thing about each other. And it was really nice, actually. She had my back coming out of the villa, and she was really nice about me. And I have nothing, no bad word to say about her. But obviously, in the film, it's so intense, and emotions are more heightened. And I think. It was just like something that happened and we all are adults and moved on from it and we've all, we're all growing up and I'm not a hateful kind of person to be like, I'm not going to speak to you again. I got along with the girl, so I'm not going to like, you know, hate her for that. She's such a lovely girl. Um, and what was the second question? What was it? Um, yeah. um, I think coming out is definitely... Your reality changes around you, so it really is such a big transition to get used to kind of being the public eye, um, especially when you're in a relationship. Like mine and Andrew's relationship is literally on like a magnifying glass, but we've got a really good balance of keeping things private and knowing what to share with the public. Um, I think even before Love Island, I was trying to use my platform as much as I could. Like even with I had like small following, but I still was working with deck kids charity. I was still was trying to you know, use my platform for the best. So when I came out, that's my biggest priority. I said, I do not want to lose what I'm passionate about, which is, you know, showing my platform, showing my story, using, trying to break down the boundaries, the stigmas. And that's why coming out, the things that I've done have what I've been passionate about. Like, I don't care about money. I don't care. If you offered me 30 million pounds for something, it didn't align with me. I'd be like, no, because 
I want to do something I'm happy to do. And I like to work with brands that, uh, you know, care about representation and diversity, that, you know, want to include me. So everything I've done so far is pretty much what I'm passionate about. And I just want to be happy, that's the main thing. I think coming out of the villa, it just made sense for me to go with eBay. Um, I've always been into like vintage, I've always been into go shopping in Shoreditch, Brick Lane. Um, I think with eBay as well, there's so many brands you can play with, there's just more things you can work with, and I like that, you know, I kind of want to do like higher end as well, so I have an opportunity to do that. And it's great because we both work really well together, we're both our team, like me and eBay are literally like, okay, what's next, what are we going to do? And it's nice that also was sharing that message, and it's great that they sponsored this season again. Um, so I hope that Love Line do continue that, because it's, it's a great message, and it shows that free love's not embarrassing. Like, I feel like there's such a stigma around that, or shopping secondhand, like, ew, who does that? And it's like, well, no, actually, it's better for the planet, and it's benefiting so many more other things. And yeah, I enjoy working with eBay, anyway. What, in terms of on the show? Yeah, so you're like, I love this Yeah. Yeah, so before I went on the show, obviously they ask you if you have a disability, and I said obviously I wear a cochlear implant. And I did quite a few hearing tests and stuff so they could understand themselves how much I could hear. And going on the show, they do ask, okay, what do I need? What can they provide for me? And I think I'm quite... Um, I think because I'm quite confident in terms of I'd be okay, I kind of was like, oh, I'll be fine, like, it's going to be fine. And I was in the villa, I was like, oh, I should have asked, like, little things like the text is read from the other side of the villa. I literally was looking around to see how people would react, or I was like, oh, I don't know what's been said. Um, but I think they definitely were, they understood, like, you know, what I needed. Um, like, if I needed to change my batteries, I'd just go off and do it. They wouldn't say, like, Tasha, where are you going? Like, I'd just go do it, change my batteries and come back out. Um, I always had a holiday loan with me as well, like, spare parts, like, in the dressing room with me. So, like, um, they made sure, like, I had those things with me, um, just in case it broke or something. Um, and they had my hospital details and everything, if anything else worse was to happen. But, yeah, I think I definitely had a good amount of um, assess accessibility in there. <laughs> Um, on the right here, on the side. Um, I really want to talk about this year's Love Island, this year's Island, this year's Island. I'll be honest, I haven't really watched it. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's bad, I feel like I should, but um, I started watching it, and then it got to Casa, and I don't know why, I just kind of was like, I don't know. I just feel like, I think they're amazing, and um, I think all the Islanders are great. I'm happy that kind of Sun and, Sun and One, because I love them too, they're great. Um, but I think 
Yeah, I just, I've been busy as well, and I just think it's hard, like, especially by 9 o'clock, I'm asleep by 8. Like, I can't stay awake till 9 p.m. I'm just there, like, trying to keep them awake, but, um, but yeah, and I'm happy who won as well, but, yeah, I haven't really watched it. <laughs> um, right back, yeah. What are your thoughts on Tanya and Shaq? Tanya and Shaq? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think they're a great couple, and, like, it's hard, because... Knowing what it's like to be in there, you don't see everything. Um, but I think Tanya and Shaq, I know that Shaq's absolutely in love with Tanya. I can see that. He's a very emotional person. It's nice, to, it's refreshing to see a man on there that has emotions. And he was crying during a speech, and I was like, it's great that he's like, you know, showing it's okay to cry. And, um, but I think they're great together, to be fair. I actually do like them. Um, but like I say, it's so different in there than the outside world. And I think on the outside world, you get stronger because... You know, you've gone through everything possible in that filler. You've come out, you've gone, done what you needed to do, and you get so much closer on the outside world. Like, me and Andrew, we literally used, like, a ship whack in the filler, but now coming out, we've just, we're so close now because we went through those obstacles to get stronger each time. Yeah. Um, on the right here. Like lack of representation on the show. Okay. I think, yeah, I think especially in any kind of TV shows, there is a lack of representation and diversity. And I think, I think the industry is now starting to slowly break that boundaries. And I think back in the day, I had no one to look up to on TV. I was like, there's no one like me. And so that's why I go and love Ireland. I was like, I want to be that person that younger generation can look up and be like, wow, there's somebody like me on the TV. Um, and it's great, like, even Ron's, like, blind in one eye. And I hope that it continues that way. But I want more, you know. I feel like one person's just not enough. I feel like I just want to see more, more diverse, diversity of everything. Um, and any kind of TV show, not just Love Island. I feel like there's still a long way to go. And it's strange, because even when I went on the show, I saw all the press articles when I came out. Everyone was like, first Death Islander, like... Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, it shouldn't cause that much commotion. It should be normalised to the point that it shouldn't even shock anyone. So it goes to show how much more work we've got to do. Um, right. So I never experienced ableism before, um, and then going on the show, obviously I came out and I was like, oh, okay, I've got quite a lot of ableism to fight people, literally I want to rip out here and they in the pool and stuff, and taking a mic out of the way I speak. Not a lot of people know that I speech therapy when I was younger. Um, I couldn't speak to the age of five. I was using BSL. I was fluent in BSL because I only could use hearing aids. And then I got my cochlear implant. I had to force my speech and stop using BSL to get my speech better. Um, so there was a lot of that. And coming out, it was a bit like, it did hurt me a bit. But I'm quiet. Um, I do have quite a hard shell in terms of 
okay, that's what they said, but they don't know who I am. Like, if they sat down with me for five minutes, their opinions would change like that. And that's the thing with TV, your opinions are changing every single second, just under, on, like for one little situation. Um, so I think coming out is like, okay, that's fine. But I, I turn it into positive and be like, okay, I'll use that momentum for me to work better, to work harder, and it motivates me more to prove them wrong. So in a way, that's kind of how my outlook is on like ableism and chores like that. Yeah, Yeah, I think, because I went to, um, so my dad, mum and dad were going to send me to a deaf school, and then they sent me just to a normal school. And I think that kind of threw me in, in terms of, like, I had to, like, you know, the hearing world, I just kind of was thrown in there. Um, and I think now coming out of the show, I feel more involved with the deaf community, 100%. I get messages, and, like, I've got my own podcast coming out, talking more about it, and I think... I kind of think a bit of both, that makes sense, and I kind of want to build that bridge between them both a bit more, so then it's more inclusive, and I think at the moment it's still quite segregated, um, and obviously the deaf community is so big, like, even I'm still learning about the deaf community in terms of some people don't like to be called hearing impaired, some people like to be called deaf with a capital D, like, little things like that, so there's a lot of things I need to learn, but... So I've been so involved in the hearing world ever since I was young. I'm just starting to actually be more involved with the deaf community. Um, and I definitely would still like to push that a bit more. Yeah. On the left here in the middle. Hi. Um, I was just going to say I loved your movement pieces. They were Thank amazing. Um, I, I'm like, I like was almost going into professional arts myself. So like, I know movement was like such a big thing for me back in the day. Um, I just wanted to ask, what was your like favourite that dance performance? That's a good question. Probably last year, I performed at Movement last year, um, Lady Gaga by Josh Pilmore. I um, don't know if you saw that, but that was definitely my favourite because it's just Lady Gaga's iconic. I love her. She's like one of my favourite artists. And yeah, that was just so much fun. And my best friend, who's non binary, they were in it and literally we had like um, five flags, everything. It was just such a nice piece of celebration. And Josh included BSL in the piece as well. So it's very like, there. It was just a beautiful piece, and I love that one a lot. At the front, yeah. um, obviously, like with the show, everyone's watching every day. But I feel like a really big part of it as well is like Twitter and like like, like the live commentary. So I was just going to say, how did you feel when like coming out and having people act like they know you and like know your whole life and like picking apart all these tiny little situations and live commenting and that? Yeah, Twitter is the place for that. Like, Twitter is mental. I couldn't believe it. Even now, I'm watching this season. I'm on Twitter, and I'm like, wow. Like, Twitter's, like, on it every single second. I think I didn't really look much into Twitter when I came out. I was like, I didn't want to dig that deep. Even my dad said to me, like, Twitter's probably the platform where a lot of hate goes on, comes from. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to dig deep into it. And I'm glad that I haven't, because I feel like if I did, I just would have kept digging for more and more. Um, but now I just use Twitter just to post like a photo or just like tweet like having a good day, like hope everyone else is too, like little cringy things. But yeah, I think Twitter is kind of, I think there needs to be some kind of more, um, what's 
the red. I feel like there needs to be more like um, segments in place for trolls and you know fake accounts and stuff. And I think yeah, it's kind of a platform that has like no like safeguarding to it. So I think that needs to change for Twitter. 100%. Uh, on the right. Oh, that's good to say that one, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Marion Andrew situation, I think that's probably the most viral meeting that I saw. And the one where I was covering his mouth when India was doing the record, and I was there like, because he kept laughing, and I was like, Andrew, she's trying hard, because it's making her laugh. Um, but I think them two were definitely that, the moments where I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, the first one was just. I still see it to this day. It still haunts me. <laughs> yeah. um, what's one thing that you next? Ooh, so I've got my own podcast coming out called Superpowers with Tasha. And it's about, I've got empowering people on there and sharing their amazing stories. So I've got my best friend who's non-binary on there. And especially in the non-binary community, there's not enough education on there. So I was like, I'm going to get Ty on there. And it's a great podcast and I've got um, someone who's blind, uh, knee injuries, alopecia, mental health and I kind of wanted to be like a podcast that's just real and very like raw and I was like I don't really care about having people on that you know super super famous I was like no I want like real genuine people and I kind of want to push that and if it does well I want to do like podcast tours and like talks and that kind of thing and then maybe like my own book one day that's like the dream um, but yeah that's kind of what I'm pursuing right now. On the back, on the left. Um, what would you say to people that argue that reality TV feeds in this narrative of some gross human fascination with like, voyeurism and you know, something that isn't necessarily that helpful? Um, what would you say to that? Um, what would you say to people who, who uh, allege that reality TV sort of feeds into voyeurism? Like Love Island is kind of like a little experiment in a way because it's kind of like, you know, you have 10 people at the start, you phone in and you have to make relationships, you find love, you find friendships, you may not find love. Um, and it's crazy how much the public is so involved with Love Island. It like, even surprises me to this day. But I think it's because it's exciting. I can see why it's exciting because you want to see people fall in love. You want to see the arguments. You want to see the storyline. You want to see they get through that big drama, they make it through. It's kind of like a movie in a way. It's like one big movie for eight weeks. And I think <coughs> being on the show, it's, it's hard because you never know if it's going to have a negative impact or a positive impact. Like, you can go either way. Um, but I think I've, it's nice to see when you have people on there that can be emotional, that can you know, stand up for themselves. Because you never know who that's going to inspire out there to do that for themselves. So I think it's definitely like... A bit of both, I would say. It's, it's crazy because people can be so, so invested 
but to a point where they will literally pick out every single little thing about you to a point like selling death threats like that still baffles me to this day i'm like how how can someone just send a message like hope you die it's just like what and so i think it's like it's a bit of both like it does have a positive impact in terms of it could help people out there that struggle with confidence or you know me going to shows like I wanted people to, me talking about the cochlear implant, I wanted people to watch that and be like, I could do that as well. So it could be a bit of both, I would say. Um, yeah, I'm the left here. Um, with Brandon being sort of a fashion icon on the show, how do you feel like your fashion is involved in the show? Um, well, thank you, I mean, <laughs> it's crazy coming out. I was like, oh my God, what? I think I just love fashion. I love playing around. I like being creative. And I think coming out of the show, working with eBay has massively helped that. They give me so much creative process. I can play around with my fashion, um, especially for red carpets. That's kind of where the times I'd like to push my looks. I'd be like, okay, what can we do to make noise, pretty much? And I think at Palooza one probably the one I made a lot of noise, a big white cape. And I was like, I'm just going to go extra. I was like, why not? I'm just going to go in that carpet. Looks like a peacock, probably, but I was like, you know what? I like, I like to play around and be a bit quirky. Um, there's a red carpet look I did where I bleached my eyebrows and like wore the black blazer. I was like, why not? Like, I like to play around and just, now I, I want to continue pushing it and hopefully work with like high end brands as well. Um, like, even like fashion weeks and stuff, I want to be more involved with that because it's like my passion, pretty much. Back on the right. Um, if you say could have met Andrew in real life and met any of your close friends from the show, do you think, like, looking back, you still want to go on Love Island? Do you think it was ultimately a positive experience, or was it all quite overwhelming and not amazing? Like, in terms of I go back on it again if I didn't meet Andrew, no, I wouldn't go back on it. I think it was kind of like once in a lifetime experience for me. Um, I think. In there, it tested my. Um, I had hard times in there personally. It got quite tough for me, and I think it's kind of like I look back, but that made me stronger. But at the same time, it's like I don't think I could go through that again because it is an emotional roller coaster. It's also a mental thing because people think we're just chilling and having a holiday. I'm like, it's not a holiday. It's like crazy. I have. I can't even explain it. I think I'm grateful for that experience, and I don't think. I'd want to relive it, if that makes sense. So I think the way it happened for me happened the best way possible, if that makes sense. Yeah, at the front here. Um, I've always loved your makeup, <coughs> and I've always yeah. your fashion. So I was just wondering like, what makeup products you reach for on a day-to-day basis. Oh, um, so makeup brands I use, L'Oreal, Refi, absolutely love Refi. I'm kind of, I use like, I like to use like natural, Fenty as well. They're like the three main ones I use. I like to use kind of like natural, like sun-kissed kind of looks. Um, but yeah, those, those are three brand, brands that are like in my makeup bag. Too Faced, I use like eyeshadow sometimes. Um, i trying to think what's in my bag. There's literally like not many things in my bag. Um, yeah, I'd probably say those, yeah. <laughs> yeah, at the back there. Um, yeah, I was just wondering, Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, like, me and Andrew aren't always perfect 24-7. Like, we're literally, like, a normal relationship, and 
we have that because like we literally argue about a fork the other day and it's like where's the missing fork it's like there's six and now there's five i'm like i don't know i haven't seen the fork like little things like that and it's normal it's natural and i think being this is the longest relationship i've had so far and this is probably like the most intimate intense relationship i've been in i think most I've learned is communication, 100%. And me and Andrew have really good communication in terms of if I'm feeling down or if I'm feeling some certain way, I will tell him, even if it's, if it's not about him, it's about anything. And he's the same with me. And I think even when times get hard sometimes, especially in the public eye, it does kind of get to us quite a bit. If like something's, you know, out on TikTok or whatever, and it's like, but then we have, we both say to each other, like we've got each other, that's the main thing. And also balance in terms of having time for each other, like personally, like we, we always make sure we have our own time, like, you know, give that time just for me to do my own thing, for him to do his own thing, like you play PlayStation, I'll go out shopping or something, come back, and then it's nice to have that bit of breathing space because if you're constantly on each other too much, that's when, you know, it can get a bit too crafty. But I think we do, we're really good at taking care of ourselves as well. And yeah, I think communication is always key. Yeah, because I feel like back in the day, it was so different, wasn't it? And I watch it back in the day, like, it was so different. Like, there was smoking, like, things like that. But I think, even me being in there, the first few days, I was a bit, like, getting used to it. It was weird. Like, I kept looking at the canvas. The producers would be like, stop looking at the canvas, Tasha. I'm like, sorry. Like, it was so weird, because they like, follow you and stuff. Um, I think after a while, I just started to forget they were there, because it becomes your reality. It becomes your norm. So when you wake up, like, you're literally in bed. You have a camera here, a camera here like just look like this at you and I'm just like you just get used to it and I think being in there it's hard because none of us are TV personalities when we go on like we haven't been on TV before and it's a new experience for us and I think kind of going in we're all just kind of thrown in and just being like okay do what you need to do um, I think it's hard to play I always say this I think it's hard to play up to the cameras because it's 24-7 and you can't for me, I don't think you can fake feelings in there because it's just so like intense and intimate. Like you see everything, like constantly together 24/7. And I don't think it's yeah. If I mean, if you can play it up to the cameras, like big props, because even I couldn't do it. I'm like, geez, it's it's intense in there. Um, at the back, yeah, on the right in the middle. I haven't watched it back, so I wouldn't know, know like who's got what edit. I'm still kind of a bit like, um, I'm not ready to watch it back yet. I'm still I'm waiting for time, and I'm ready to, I'm going to watch it back. But I think, I know that Paige got quite a bit of, um, towards the end, like she was a mean girl. She's really not, like she's a bigger sweetheart. Like she's a beautiful soul inside and out. And yeah, she's like honestly amazing. And that's the only thing I've prob probably heard, but I haven't really watched it back. and. I definitely need to at some point when I'm ready to, but yeah, I don't really have an answer for that. 
And just a quick question from me. Um, I just saw on your YouTube you said that you edit like entirely your own videos. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, I've tried like experimenting, like making videos and editing them in the past, but it's really difficult. Mm. So like, I mean, how did you learn to do that? Like, was it quite a long process? Um, I don't know. I've kind of always been into like creative kind of yeah. stuff. So like even re- like reels and stuff. I was yeah. kind of I was a model before as well, mm. so I kind of had to do that. But with YouTube, I literally have like a um like Canon camera, like just yeah, vlogging camera. Yeah. I've got like an adapter where you plug it into my phone and when the card goes into my phone, like the, the adapter, and I do it on my phone, yeah, oh, on CapCut, yeah. yeah. I just do it on there. I could do it on my laptop, but I just, because yeah. obviously like if I'm traveling and stuff, I could just do it on my phone on the plane or on the train or like doing breaks and stuff. So it's just easy for me. Yeah. And then I just, yeah, do it that way. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I should try that. <laughs> um, yeah, front. Yeah, it's, it's called the voice of God. That's literally what it's called. Like, we go in, it's like, it's the voice of God. You just hear a voice through, like, speakers. Um, like, it's everywhere. It's crazy, like, everywhere around the village. So when you wake up, literally a voice of like, good morning, Islanders. Like, how you all feeling today? Well, they're like, yeah, feeling great. Getting woken up, like, blinded by lights. Um, yeah, you hear that, like, pretty much throughout the day. It'd be like, Tasha, go to Beach Hut 2, please. And then you go to the beach hut and do your beach hut. So that's how they communicate with us, so we don't see them. It's just like the voice. That's so weird. I know. You get used to it. First, first day, I was like, oh, what's going on? Like, I remember my parents came in, and they started speaking. My dad was like, what? Where's that voice coming from? But yeah, it just comes out of nowhere. It's like loads of speakers everywhere. Um, at the front end. No, no, they have every right to, um, there's, been, there's been times where I've like cried, like, and I've been like, please don't use this, because I was like, sometimes I have like an outburst of like, um, so basically with me, I'm very like, I'll cry for, and literally 10 minutes later, I'm like, why was I crying, like 10 minutes ago, I'm like, I'm like, oh, I can't go back in time, and, like erase it, um, but yeah, I know they have, they have every right to use um, whatever they want to use. Like sign away, like. Yeah, you sign a contract, yeah, before you go in, yeah. Yeah. Um, Right at the back there on the right. sleeping and um, I sleep without my cochlear implants I have the best sleep ever like everyone's snoring in the room I'm just there like peaceful I just love it like Andrew snores as well so it's great it works out amazing for us um, I think I just didn't really care like I sleep with my mouth open quite a lot apparently and I was like oh great so probably thousands of people saw that but yeah the first night none of us could sleep like none of us did not sleep the first night because we were so like it's so weird having people watching you while you sleep. And they have, yeah, it's a bit weird, but then you just get used to it, like, it comes with normality. And then with Deaf Kids, um, so they're a charity that I work with. And um, so basically, before the filler, I raised like 800 pounds for them. And 
they were so thankful. It wasn't a massive amount, but they're literally a team of like five, six people. And they work for they work at low income countries and the kids are more vulnerable to domestic abuse. They don't have access to copper implants, hearing aids, doctors, even to get their ears checked. Um, so they're a very small charity and I, I like to work with a charity that, you know, does amazing things. So I'm hoping trying to get a plan out for me to go volunteer and actually go and help and maybe try and document it. I think that'd be a great, you know, platform to do that. Um, and we're trying to think about doing like a little retreat at some point where I do like a little like retreat and people can come along. Um, so yeah, I've got quite a few things in the plans. So like this is the year to do it. Dammy, Dammy would never get out of bed. Um, Luke, Luke, yeah, Luca. All the boys pretty much would stay in bed, and they'd be like, they would literally be like out of bed. Come on, like get out, like uh, not that nasty way. They'd be like, come on, guys, like. But us girls, we have to go to the terrace. But there was times where I'd be laid in bed, like under the covers, like no, I don't want to get up. Um, that's why everyone wears sunglasses um, because of the light, because it's so like bright. Everyone's still like waking up, but people are still sleeping behind the sunglasses. And literally, the producers are literally zoom the camera in. They're like, I can see you sleeping behind the glasses. And we're all laid there, like, none of us are speaking. Um, but yeah, it's definitely like, I got used to it to the point where I just get out, because I'd rather just get out and just get on with the day. But um, yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> What made me go on the show? Oh, um, I think I say two reasons. I definitely 100% wanted to find someone and to raise awareness. Um, I wanted to go on the show to show people that you know you can do anything that if you're given an opportunity, grab it and take it. Um, especially someone like me with cochlear implant. I think it's very rare for opportunities like that to happen. So that's why I was like, actually, I want to prove to people that you can, you know, if you really believe in it, you can get it. Um, so there were the two main reasons why I wanted to go on the show. Yeah, yeah. There's some some bits where it's a bit like, you know, I think it was kind of like the troll and the hating. Um, I wasn't sure if I was like, for my family more, I think, my family and friends, because it, it's a lot for them, you know, it's half of them. So I think that's my only doubt, it's holding me back, was like, I didn't want to put that on them. Um, but I had a conversation with them, I was like, are you sure you want, are you going to be okay with this? Especially, like, me and my dad, we have a very dad-daughter relationship, we're very, very close. And, and he was petrified, like, he was so scared for me to go in there. Um, but I think that's probably the only doubt I had. But apart from that, I was kind of like, I'm just going to go for it. Um, and just going to open mind. I didn't go in with a plan. I was like, whatever happens, happens. Because um, I feel like if you go in with a plan, then your expectations don't get me or happen. Then you let yourself down. So that's why I said, just go, go in and just see what happens. Yeah. Um, you know, on the right. Um, what was the best and what was the worst challenge that you had to do? Um, oh, the best challenge. 
feels like years ago that I did it. I think the best challenge was probably the, um, what's it called? The, when I did the Barbie dance, the Barbie box, what's that? Oh, the sex, heart race challenge, that's it. I mean, that was just so fun, because all the girls were like, in a dressing room, we were all like practicing moves on each other, it was like the funniest thing. Like, India sat down, I was like, okay, we are Andrew, I was like, we're playing on what we were doing each other. It was like, that was probably like the, one of my fun nights. Um, worst challenge is, um, there's a few, but, I think probably the one where we did the, so basically there'd be challenges where we did outside of the villa and it was like we did like the air hostess and the boys would be like dressed as warriors and stuff there was no music like no music it was awkward there's literally like camera people producers at the front like a big group of people you just there in silence doing this like whole like sex dance like there's like no music and that's why everyone's like proper cheering to get like get it going like, me and the girls were literally bricking it when it came to those kind of challenges. We were like, oh no, here we go again. Um, so yeah, when there's no music, it's just not, not vibes. There's no vibes, so yeah, that's probably the ones. <laughs> yeah, right in the front there. Do you get noticed a lot in public? Or is that like a really, thing, really weird thing to come back in? Even at Move It this weekend, just being, that was like probably the worst experience for me. The point that they were literally chasing me through the event, I was literally like, what's going on? Because that, that's kind of, it was like the age group, like teenagers. Um, I think we get more notice when me and Andrew are together, because people are like, oh, it's that Andrew, oh, it's that Tasha. And I think for me, I'm still kind of getting used to that, um, especially like when I'm out shopping. I always put my headphones in and just like walk around in my little thing. Like someone that like, tapped me on the shoulder, I'm like, whoa, like scares me. But it's nice though, because it's nice to have that support. And I'm a very chatty person, very social, and I'm happy to stop my time for anybody that comes over and talks to me because that's just who I am. And yeah, it is weird sometimes, don't get used to it, but yeah. Yeah, I think we'll do a couple more questions before wrapping up. Um, on the left. So I was scouted on Instagram. Um, I was nearly casted for a different dating show on Netflix, and I was casted for a dance dating show on BBC called I Like the Way You Move. And some some producers on work on both of those shows work on the violin, so I think that's kind of how that connection was made. But I went through exactly the same process as anybody else did. Like it was literally started in January. I didn't find out till two weeks before I went in. So that's like four months worth of like process, like auditions, Zooms, um, psych checks. Yeah, yeah um, on the left here. Um, how much interaction do you get with the hosts of the show? Um, so with Laura, we had Laura at the time. We saw her at the start, Casa, and at the end. So we only saw her three times in the villa. And obviously when she's there, we get to speak to her. Like, she's really chatty. Um, it's not like she stands there and not speak to us. Like, she's like, how are you guys doing? Like, we have a laugh and stuff. Um, yeah, she's, actually, she's a really, really lovely girl. Okay. Um, yeah, at the front here. Hmm. 
there's one quote I always stand by is that no one else is you and that's your biggest power. And I say that every single day and I think it's so true because you have to remember who you are. Even if this, trust me, I have my down days as well. There's days where I just have no confidence but then you have to remember I am that girl, you know, you have to be like, you know what, I am that it girl, like, I'm going to go out there and do my thing, and sometimes our self-love is the most important love of anything, like, you have to love yourself first before you love anybody else, and I think that quote just sticks by me every day, and it's like, you need to remember why you're doing it, what you're doing, are you happy, are you doing what you want to, like, what you're passionate about, and, yeah, so that's probably the biggest takeaway, I would say. I think that's a wonderful note to end the talk. So thank you all for coming. I know it's kind of late. Um, let's give it up to Thank you.